podcast service. Welcome to the House of God here at Christian Outreach Centre here in Charters Towers. I'd love if you will turn in your Bibles. I pray that you brought your Bibles with you. Brooke, have you got your Bible with you? Can I have an amen in the house? Oh, that's good. And we're going to go to Genesis chapter 12, reading from verses 1 to 3. And if we can put that verse up this morning on the screen, if that's possible, and uh, we can leave it there for the duration of the message. And uh, I've referred to this incredible scripture, and I'll read it now briefly. So, So here we are at Genesis chapter 12 and verses 1 to 3. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed." Now, this here scripture, it may not look much to you, but this, these couple of verses here are, have affected the course of human history just about more than any single verses in the whole of the Bible. And I've used it and referred to it because it says, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And it, refer, it refers now to the descendants, the direct descendants of Abraham, the Jewish people. And so if there was any, any a scripture that has affected the course of all history, you can look through this lens of verse here and read history. And you can see the nations which rise and fall on if they will bless or curse the children of Israel. Sometimes for no apparent reason, you see ri- uh, nations rise to the pinnacle. And you can see nations plummet within one generation, and you ask yourself, how did that happen? And sometimes you can look through the course of this very scripture here, and you go, aha, and things begin to make sense. And you'll read history altogether different when you have an understanding of this one verse. So, and it says in verse 3, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Are there any families here today? Well, that's referring also to us. The Living Bible in verse 3 says, The entire world will be blessed because of you. Isn't that amazing? And so we're descendants of Abraham ourselves. We are the seed of spiritual Abraham. And so here we see the redemptive plan of God for man and God uh, beginning with a man. And that man is named Abraham. From this man, Abram, as he's called here, he was yet still to be called Abraham, would come a family. Abraham was to become a family. He was just him and his wife, Sarai. And from from that family would come a nation, which is the Jewish people. And to this nation, a people would be given the laws of God, and from which they were to govern a people. And most of the Westminster system by which even the Western world is governed can be traced back to its roots in the Bible. And the Word of God, the people were given the Word of God. This people group to Abraham, his family and his descendants, they were given the priesthood. They were given the sacrificial system and the temple worship that was all given to the Jewish people. 
To the Jewish people were also given the prophets and the promised Messiah for all mankind through the person of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus fulfilled more than 456 prophecies, all fulfilled through the one man named Jesus Christ. The odds of two or three coming about are extraordinary, but for 456 prophecies to be filled in only one man is more than amazing. And so we see that Abraham was taken out of the land of Ur of the Chaldeans. And I'd like to say from the outset, often to bring you into something, God has to take you out of something. Isn't that a remarkable thing? When you give your life to Jesus Christ, sometimes he will take you out of a job that you enjoyed for 30 years. But he wants, some, he wants to bring you into something else. I went through those same sort of transitions when I came to Christ. God took me out of something to bring me into something. Abraham lived in the land of Ur of the Chaldeans, or in what is called modern-day Iraq. And the Talmud, which is the primary source of religious law and uh, the theology with the Old Testament, says that his father was an idol worshipper. And not only was Abram's father an idol worshipper, he was also an idol maker. And uh, Abraham was called by God to leave his father's house and to go to a land that God would show him. But to leave everything that he had known, has anybody here have ever done that? To leave everything that you've ever, ever known? Oh, there I see Nadia's hand go that. She is a Belarusian. And she left Belarus. Amazing. Left the whole world behind and entered into a new world. Abraham did exactly that. There's another one. Left everything to start a new life. And so he left his home. He left his town. He left his father's gods to follow a god with no name. Imagine a god of no name speaking to you. 500 years later, Moses asked God, who shall I say who sent me? And God revealed himself to Moses 500 years later as yud heh vav Yahweh, or Jehovah we say. And, but he didn't reveal himself as the I am or the I will be that I will be, yud heh vav No wonder Abraham was called the father of faith. Hearing a voice from the God with no name, Leave this land, leave your father's household, leave everything that you know, leave the family business and go to a land that I'm going to show you. When you get there, I'll tell you that you're there. It's quite an interesting arrangement, isn't it? Is there anybody here who thinks that's logical? You know, the life of faith doesn't always appeal to the logic, does it? Or to the intellect. He says, oh, that can't be right, that can't be right, that can't be right, he says. Oh, it's not, isn't it? But the life of faith is an exciting walk. And when you hear the voice of God, and there's many people here who have, oh, you know, you know that you know that you know that you've heard from God. Ur was an ancient city of substance, one of the oldest cities in the, on earth. And to leave the city slicker lifestyle of trade and commerce, that's what Abraham was in. Him and his father, they were in a, a city slicker lifestyle some 4,000 years ago. And to become a tent dweller, why would you leave one of the oldest cities and become a tent dweller? It was like God asking you to sell your home and your father's business, buy a four by four, 
and a caravan and start driving. That's, what, that's really what he was saying. In a modern day aspect, he would say, now, Jeff, I want you to sell your house, buy a Toyota, hook up a nice caravan to it. I want you to fuel it up. Uh, I know you've got no money left, but I'll pay the way. When you get there, I'll tell you when you're there, okay? And so give without a thought, because he's a mighty man of faith, just jumps in there, turns on the key, and off he goes. It's a big ask, isn't it? And that's why Abraham is called the father of faith. He's called the father of faith. Amen? It's a fantastic title. But go west, young man. I'll give you the directions as you go, and I'll tell you when you get there. And so from Ur, he went to the northern city or the town of Haran, which is the northern part there of Mesopotamia. And God promised to make a great nation from him. But already in Genesis 11.30, which is going back a few verses, Abraham and Sarah had found out that Sarah was barren and she had no children. And here in amongst all that, God's saying, get into that four-wheel drive. Go to another land. When you, when you get there, I'll tell you, I'm going to make you a great nation. And here's Abraham already confirmed by the doctor's report that his wife was barren. In fact, God started the nation of Israel with three generations of barren women. Isn't that extraordinary? We just read these verses and think, oh, this is why we see that Abraham had a, had a son called Isaac. In Genesis 25, 21, it says... Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. Anyway, Isaac eventually had a child and had, an, had a son called Jacob. And it says in Genesis 29, 31, but Rachel was barren. So there you have three generations of barren women. That's a good way to start a nation, isn't it? Great way to start a nation. God did build a family and a nation from the father of faith through three generations of barren women. When we look at the Christian faith, we can see the cross is an instrument of death and now is the world's greatest symbol of hope. It's just the way that God does stuff. For my ways are not your ways, says God, nor are your ideas or thoughts my thoughts. Amen? Isaiah 55, 11. If God has asked you to do something in less than perfect conditions, know this. If God has called you to do something, you say, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I can't do that. That doesn't make sense. I'm not good at that. I don't have resources to build that, but you've asked me. Bringing life to that which is not only barren but dead is often the most way that you'll ever know that it's God is because it's barren or it is already dead. Resurrection life is God's specialty. Resurrection life is God's specialty. Let's have an hallelujah in the house. This is good news. If God has called you to do something and it seems impossible in your eyes, in the eyes of the world, it's most likely God. That is almost a prerequisite. Because if if anybody can do it, well, then it's not God. He says, oh, you don't need me for that. But if it's impossible, if, if the odds are so far remote... You don't have the resources, you don't have the... Perhaps he's called you to build something late in life, 70, 75 years old, and you're thinking about hanging up just about everything that you own, everything that you own, and putting your feet up. And God says, I want you to go and build this or go and do that. And, he says, I... and you say, I don't have the strength for that. He says, no, you don't, but I do. Amen. But I do. 
You see, where, is your, where are you hooked into? Where are you hooked to? Because in my weakness, he is strong. And then God gets all the glory. And he doesn't want man to take that. He says, I will not share my glory with another. That's what he says. So if God has asked you to do something in less than perfect conditions, it's most likely God. Our desperate need causes us to look to God, to call upon his name, and then to rely on the provision of God. Why doesn't God ask a millionaire to build a school? Why doesn't God ask a millionaire to go and build a church or do this or do that? Why does he ask someone who's broke? <laughs> or broken? God often used the broken to do his perfect work. I fit that description. Before us is a whole group of people and we're all broken in some way. And yet God says, I want to use you to glorify my name. You fit the bill. If you're broken, you see yourself not quite all there. You see many people around you surrounded by tremendous intellect and competence. I see that. I say, Lord, why did you call me here? There's so many good people, great administrative skills and this and that. He said, no. He said, the Old Testament repeats the promise of God to Abraham in Genesis. This one, this promise here. This one, this promise here. He doesn't say it once. In Genesis 18, 18, the Lord said in verse 17, Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. And so the blessing to all the nations of the earth have come through Abraham. Without Abraham, the blessings weren't there for us. In Genesis 22, 18, it says, In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Isn't that amazing? All the nations have walked in the blessings of Abraham because he obeyed the voice of God. The recipients of the blessing of God comes through your obedience to your inheritance, your progeny, your children, your children's children, and to your generation and to your community. You are the biggest blessing to this community. If there's anything that I want to impart this morning is you are the greatest blessing to this community. Through this Abrahamic promise. The Old Testament repeats the promises now to Isaac. This is Abraham's son. Because Isaac needed to hear it for him himself like you and I do today. In Genesis 26, 4, he says, To Isaac God renews the promise, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 5, because Abraham obeyed my voice. There it is again. The recipients of the blessing comes often because somebody else obeyed the voice of God. When we obey the voice of the Lord, not only do we ourselves walk in the blessing, but our descendants shall be blessed. That's a promise. You can hold on to that. You walk in obedience to God and the recipients of your obedience and the blessing that comes, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it, Luke eleven twenty eight. And so in Genesis, the Old Testament repeats the promises now to Isaac's son, to Jacob. And so here it is again. It's just another rework of this same verse. Genesis 28, 14, to Jacob, God renews the promise. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, meaning there'll be many. You shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, and in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. 
You see, the reason why your neighbor gets rain in its season, the reason why we're in walk in blessing is because we are in the community. Because you are in the community, the blessings of God rest on the believers and unbelievers alike. It's called God's mercy. To us, it's a blessing, but to them, it is God's mercy. The New Testament repeats the promise God made to Abraham, now to the Jewish people. So it's gone from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob and to all the seed. And now in the New Testament, it is to all the Jewish people. Peter preaching in Solomon's portico early in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 3, verse 25, after he, that's Peter and John, had prayed and healed the lame man from birth. Okay? So you can place that for yourself in Acts 3.25. And Peter says, you are sons of the prophets and of the covenant. That's God's agreement. Which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You see, it's topical, isn't it? There's a golden thread that, run, that runs through the entirety of the Bible in every subject. And I'm talking about the blessing that comes to you, to your families, and to the families of the earth. This promise is it for you. The people were so exhilarated and encouraged by Peter's message that it says in Acts 4.3 that they laid hands on them and put them in custody. <laughs> It's amazing how some people respond to good news. Peter was telling them about all the blessings that was coming upon them. And they got so aggra You know, the gospel aggravates people. Amen? The gospel aggravates people. And the thing is, if you want to try to appease everybody around you and take, I don't know, the bones out of the gospel, you water it down and there's no gospel message left. You have to preach the gospel the way it is. Warts and all, amen? The Bible talks about sin. It talks about sickness. It talks about walking with God. It talks about obedience. It talks about disobedience. It talks about heaven. It talks about hell. A lot of people don't even mention the name hell anymore. And some Bibles have taken the word out of the Bible, amen? Some Bibles have taken the word, the blood of Jesus. They've nearly removed half the references of the blood of Jesus out of the Bible. They say, well, it's offensive. But that's the gospel. And the gospel is a rock of offense to every culture, to every people, to every person. Amen? Till we all come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is an offense. And we as the church need not apologize for how the gospel is written. We're just called to preach the gospel the way it is, okay? And we are not here to, we stand approved of God. We don't stand approved of our neighbor or anybody else because sometimes if you want to win men's approval, you will have God's disapproval. I want God's approval. Sometimes the message of salvation is a tough message, but it needs to be preached in love, amen? Our motive always is love. And so the New Testament repeated that promise to the Jewish people. And so we see Peter and John, they were locked up for it. But this promise is for you. The people were so exhilarated, we said they were going to put them behind bars. But God now in the New Testament extends the promise to not only the Jewish people, so it's Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, to all the Jewish people, but now it is extended through the church 
to the Gentiles. Amen? So the gospel goes global. That's what happened when the church was born. The Gentiles now had the gospel preached to them. Galatians 3.8 And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham before him, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So it is now through the, even the Gentiles that all the nations and the families of the earth through Jesus Christ will be blessed. A lot of people think in replacement theology that we replace the Jewish people. This is a big error of the church. We do not replace Israel. Israel has its own track and the Jewish people have their own track to work with God. And they have by and large rejected the Messiah for nearly 2,000 years. But I want to say the little door to the Jewish people and the big door to the Gentiles. And we see the big door to the Gentiles is beginning to swing on its hinges and one day it will firmly close. In doing so, the little door to the Jewish people is beginning to creep open. And there are more Jewish people that have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in the last five years than there have in 2,000 years. That shows you of the time and the day on which we live. Can I say that again? More Jewish people have come to faith in the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, in Jesus in the last five years than they have in 2,000 years. We are, we're oblivious to this, aren't we? And so we rejoice with the Jewish people. Their time is coming. Their time is coming. The Bible says that one-third of the people, Jewish people will come to faith. Amen? Two-thirds will not. That's what the Bible says in the book of Revelations. So then... And it goes on to say in Galatians 3.9, So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. This is good news. Very, very good news. The promise to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and his descendants, to the Jewish people and now to the Gentiles, fulfills the promise of Isaiah 9.7. And, uh, and that is the, 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 the increase of his government, there will be no end. The increase of the influence of the gospel of this great message to people throughout the world. The Lord has subdued all nations without a sword. Isn't it amazing? We have seen kingdoms come and kingdoms go. The Egyptians, the Assyrians, the Medes and the Persians, the Babylonians, sorry, but before that, the Greeks, the Romans, all gone. Ancient civilizations, all gone. All gone, all gone. But God in his infinite wisdom has subdued all the nations without a sword. He just conquered them with his love. Mess with their minds and forgive somebody. <laughs> you want to mess with somebody's head? Forgive him. Isn't that amazing? Your brother has wronged you badly? Forgive him and love him. It messes with their head badly. In the workplace, so many people do things all the time. Mess with their head and forgive them and love them. Amen? That's what we're called to do. It's not a gospel of the sword. It's a sheath your sword. Keep your sword, your natural sword. Keep it sheathed. Take out your spiritual sword for sure. But keep a physical sword in its sheath. And so the Lord has subdued all nations. In John 1.5, uh, let me quickly go to John 1.5. I'll just, don't worry about going there. I'll just read it very quickly. When I find it, 
Luke and John. And we know these, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. This is Jesus. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Listen to this bit here. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. It means the darkness could not overcome it. It couldn't subdue it. And so the gates of hell would not prevail against the army of the Lord. And so the benefits of you being in this community are immense to this community. But the darkness doesn't understand the blessing that you bring. In this generation and in this time of it, on this side of eternity, you will not be rewarded or thanked for bringing the good news or the benefits that the gospel brings to this community. You will not be thanked for it because the darkness cannot even comprehend what you're doing or why you're doing it. It's a sad, but it is true. But God is here literally looking for people to whom this blessing can rest upon and flow through. First it was to Abraham, then to Isaac, and then to Jacob. Then it was to all the Jewish people and now to all the nations of the earth and to all who would come to faith in Jesus Christ. God did build a family, a nation, from the father of faith through three generations of barren women. But I, and just very, very quickly, I'm not going to speak for very long this morning, just to show you that the blessing of heaven rested upon the Jewish people, but now also upon the church. The Nobel, the Nobel, Nobel Peace Prize. Who's heard of the Nobel Peace Prize? We all have, haven't we? And uh, is awarded in physics, it's awarded in chemistry, psychology, medicine, literature, and peace. And to those who benefit humanity the most are awarded the world's most prestigious prize, so says the Oxford Dictionary of Contemporary History. But isn't it amazing? The Jewish people and descendants from the Jews to this day represent Less than 0.2 of 1% of the world's population. But they represent 22.4% of all Nobel laureates. In fact, 208 out of the 930 Nobel laureates are all Jewish. Why? Because I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you and in you all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. It's incredible, isn't it? To over 22%. You can go back statistically but five years ago or ten years ago, and you can see that this percentage is only increasing with time, not decreasing. You go back 20 years, it represented about 16%. But now this day, 22.4%. Of the Nobel laureates in the world today have been Jewish and or Jewish descent. And they have been an incredible blessing to the nations of the earth. But so too has the church. And I'm convinced that governments all around the world would have wound the church out years ago had it not been the great benefit that we bring to our communities. With the gospel, with the good news, comes education, comes hospitals, comes schools, comes unemployment ages, orphanages, men's and women's refuges, food banks, the royal flying doctors, etc., 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 etc. 
and the benevolent money that comes into communities and the willing, helpful, loving hands that comes to a community because the gospel is work. You see, you are a blessing to this community. And that is the main message that I'd like to get through to this morning. Just turn to the person next to you and say, you are a blessing to this people. You are an amazing blessing to your workplace. Our present day governments would close the doors of our churches tomorrow in this hostile Christian climate. But right now they, they see the benevolent work and blessing to the nation and they are reluctant to close us down. Amen? There will come a day, I believe, when they will. It's coming. But they appreciate the benefits of the gospel. And that would be true. So blessing, what does it mean? The Hebrew word there is a shah, which means it's almost a derivative of the word yashar, which is straight, happy, blessed, prosperous, successful, straight, right, and contented. That's what you bring to your family. That's what you bring, if you're a believer in Christ, that's what you bring to your relationships. That's what you bring to the upbringing of your children. That's what you bring to your marriage. These are the things that you bring to the discussion table, to the workplace, and to the business community. Do not underestimate the value of the gospel that God has planted. He's planted gold within you. Amen? And the beneficiaries is your workplace, the schools, wherever you work, wherever you are, your marriages, your relationships, great beneficiaries. I will bless those who bless you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. When you come into contact with blessing uh, with your neighbors, they're not believers, but you can only be a blessing to their lives. They've got great neighbors in you. We need to see the intrinsic value that God has placed within each and every one of us. Sometimes we look in the mirror in the morning and we go, oh gosh, you, should, you need more sleep. I tell you what, God looks through different eyes. He looks through heaven's eyes and he, look, and he sees you made in the image and likeness of God. Perhaps you need to comb your hair, but he sees you. He sees the intrinsic value, the great storehouse of heaven that he has planted within you. Amen? Oh, it's great. It's fantastic what God has done and is doing through you. And the church should not underestimate its value that we give in every area of our life. So children, this is what you bring to your school and to the skate park. Amen? Imagine that. There's a deposit of God in our children that they bring to the skate park. You are the blessing this town needs. You are the blessing this town needs. The blessing of heaven rests on this region and community because you are here, because we are here. The blessing rests upon... We get rain in its season because you are here. If the church was not here, this... um, That's what you... You'll be describing the great tribulation when the church is no longer here. That is when the great tribulation will come. When the church is removed, believers are removed from the earth, you will see the great tribulation come because you are the withholding power at this time. You are the blessing this town needs. The blessing of heaven rests on this region because of you. You are an ambassador of Christ and when you speak, you speak on his behalf. No wonder we should watch what we say 
But you are an, turn to the person next to you and say, you're an ambassador for Christ. We've got to see ourselves a little different. You are an ambassador for Christ. You speak with the authority of heaven. That's what we speak. We undervalue ourselves. You carry the blessing and you carry the miracle in the midst of a people who do not know God. Amen. Jonah went into a place called Nineveh, 120,000 people who didn't know their left hand from their right hand. They repented and the blessing of heaven remained on the Assyrian people. Judgment was deferred for an entire uh, generation. Psalm 72, 17, his name shall endure forever. His name shall continue as long as the sun and men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. In regard to Israel, Malachi, the last prophet in the, in the Old Testament, all nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land. Amen? It's good. Let's stand to our feet while Jules comes to the keys. <coughs> If anything this morning, I just want to encourage you that you are more than you think you are. You change the atmosphere. When you walk into a room, you bring in the light. When you walk into a room, darkness, the Bible says, must flee. It doesn't say you have to push it back. It just says it must flee. It's, it runs from you. You walk down the street, darkness flees from you. You walk into your home, speak to your children, whether they're believers or no believers, you bring the light. Amen? Not everybody's comfortable with the light because light does show up imperfections. That's what light does. And that's why the gospel reads people before they read it. And that's why they're uncomfortable with it. But I just want to instill into you very, very this morning, if you would reread in that uh, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, in the light of the fact that you are a blessing wherever you go, that we are inheritors and come into an inheritance of this Abrahamic covenant of blessing. We went from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob to the Jews, and now to the Gentiles and the church. We walk in the blessing, and your children are recipients. This whole region is a recipient of the blessing of God that rests on your life. 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 The blessing of God. Can you say that? The blessing of God rests on my life. Say it with conviction. The blessing of God rests over my life. You will walk differently. You will talk differently when you realize what you bring to this community. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bring this body of believers before your throne of grace. Reveal to them, Lord God, the great worth that you have implanted into them, Lord. I thank you, Father God, that we will be ambassadors of Christ. And we give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm going to pray the prayer of salvation now before I close. And if you've been walking away from God or coming back to God, or never receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, this simple prayer, if it comes from your heart, if is the big word, but if it comes from your heart, it will take you into a new dimension in God. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, in the name of Jesus I, come to you now. I come to you now. I repent of my sin. I, repent of my I sin. ask that you forgive me of my sin. Wash and cleanse me now with your blood. 
I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and And I receive the Holy Spirit to live within me. And I receive the Holy Spirit to live within me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.